is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, the time has come. We are podcasting five days a week. Get excited. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. For any new listeners or for you diehards out there, I promise you will not find a more comprehensive fantasy football podcast. So thank you, everybody, for choosing our show. And now let's win some leagues. I'm Adam Azer. Today I picked the Falcons to win the Super Bowl. Please don't let that ruin all of my credibility. Here's Dave Richard. I'm going to move Matt Ryan down in my rankings following (laughs) that proclamation. It's only because I love their concessions, Dan Prices. Here's Jamie Eisenberg. Having covered the Super Bowl... Uh, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and they kept the prices the same. And having sit to sit in the stands where that was my uh, source of food, it was it was enjoyable. Was the food good? I heard the food's good too, right? Food was good. I yeah. think uh, I kept it pretty vanilla though. With um, I think I just had a chicken sandwich, but it was good. Vanilla ice cream is really good, by the way. I know it's vanilla, but it's like it's really good. Heath coming. Oh, the hot takes today. <laughs> What's up, Heath? Favorite ice cream so flavor? You don't like ice state- cream of minnesota already hated you now the state of georgia is going to hate you i hate you is there anyone <laughs> left that doesn't hate you uh, maybe some listeners remember i actually picked the falcons to go to the super bowl last year i think i declared them my team and then everybody got hurt by like week five and are you and that was are it. you um they got hurt by week one um are you uh upset at odell beckham for his gq interview no i don't I, he why would i be upset he should do what he wants i think that it's interesting to hear his takes on things, and it's tough. It's tough to be an athlete and get so much criticism for so many things. I obviously think that he brought some of it onto himself, but I don't. I don't think that even you act like a, a kind of a fool on the sidelines. Does that mean that people should say mean things to you? No. So I understand he was considering retirement, according to him, really fighting it. wasn't so happy. I'm glad he's out. Everybody needed a fresh start. And uh, I'm looking forward to what he's going to do in fantasy this year. That's for sure. When you um, grow into a full-size man, will you actually wear the jersey? No, I'm never going to grow into the jersey. I have a (laughs) a gigantic jersey that is almost as big as my Giants onesie. All right, guys. So uh, I want to start with five fun questions. Some of them you can read in a a column that Heath posted on our website, cbsports.com slash fantasy slash football. Some of them, Chris Towers, our editor sent to us so it's a little mix up there i want to talk dynasty today because i know a lot of people are doing dynasty drafts i'm doing a dynasty uh, rookie draft slow draft as we speak so i want to talk about that um and hopefully how to draft in different formats some emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com all right so first question this is from heath i'll let heath answer first how worried should fantasy owners be about a melvin gordon holdout increasingly more and more as lo- the longer that it goes. Right now, I've dropped him down to a second-round pick. Um, that doesn't feel good. I'm worried he's going to miss time. And I think that like there's several different outcomes. He may not miss any time at all. He may just miss camp and then show up week one and have a reduced workload earlier in the year and then be fine. He may get traded, which would almost certainly hurt his value. It's hard to find a spot as good as the one he's in right now. Damn it, could be oh, Tampa Bay. Um, be nice. So I, I, I think like right now you should be don't draft him in the first round. Worried if this is going on three weeks from now, you should be don't draft him in the first two rounds. Worried. 
this is going on a month from now, you should be yeah, I'm probably not going to draw Melvin Gordon worried. We we kind of got a peek into his mindset last year when uh, Sports Illustrated's cameras were at his house and they were talking about Le'Veon Bell holding out. And he flat out said he would hold out too. He didn't want to come back and get hurt. So I, I wonder if he's going to follow that same path that Le'Veon did. And that just makes me scared to take him. Does anybody have Melvin Gordon as a top 12 pick right now? No, you can't. I mean, it, it's... It's gutsy. If you it's do. it's just why why would you take that risk? Oh well, I mean I think there's an obvious reason why because he's the number five pick. Oh, you know, two weeks ago. So if but, he signs and he's playing week one, you're gonna you're gonna be thrilled to have him with the, a first the, round. The pick. one saving grace we just t- finished talking about this on uh, CBS Sports HQ is he was with the team this offseason. so it's not like he hasn't been in shape, working out, doing all the things he's supposed to do to get himself ready for camp. Yeah, and right. so that's that I think, you know, you could take some solace in that is that he's going to show up when he does ready to go as opposed to most guys that you don't know what they're doing. Okay, I, I want to get to our next question, but final answer. In your mind, is there any chance that a handcuff, likely Austin Eckler, could be not James Conner good, but let's say like a top, 24 over like a second round pick good if Melvin Gordon were to take this the Le'Veon route and sit out the whole year yes no second round no top 24 yes there's a difference right no top 24 running back but I'm not you're gonna find top Top, 24 running backs outside of round two top 24 overall top 24 overall I'm sorry let me qualify I'm gonna say no like major impact player you say no yeah, I think I, he was around, what, 16, 17 touches per game in the games that Melvin Gordon missed last year? Yeah. If he gets 16 or 17 touches per game, I would anticipate he is going to be worth a second-round value. He was one of the most efficient running backs in the passing game last year at 7.6 yards per target and was even better than that in 2017. He's very good. He'll, he'll, I think if you want to have a very optimistic approach, like hope for Tricone. All right. Next question. Emmanuel Sanders, not on the pup list, has made great progress from his recovery from the Achilles surgery. Is Emmanuel Sanders the number one wide receiver on Denver? And before I forget, just so everybody knows, Emmanuel Sanders and Julian Edelman both played four games, uh, 12 games last year. They both missed four games. They had nearly identical stats in terms of catches and yards. Edelman had two more uh, receiving touchdowns. Sanders had a passing touchdown, so they were very, very close, both top 15 wide receivers and points per game. Is Emmanuel Sanders, though, Denver's number one wide receiver? No. I'm not drafting him that way. I'm drafting him as their number two. Uh, currently, I would say yes. And I, he's dead. He's not going to be a full go for two to three weeks. Um, so if it's a month from now and he's not a full go, then I might change my opinion, but I kind of, and I think it was Sigmund Bloom that tweeted this yesterday, I kind of view it the same way he does, that the answer to the Broncos receiving, the receiver you want in fantasy is either Emmanuel Sanders or no one. Anyone care to disagree with that? I would absolutely disagree with that. I'd take the chance on the two young guys before Sanders. I would take the chance on Sutton. I love Deshaun Hamilton. I I do too, but I don't know how much of an opportunity he's going to get because... He blew up when Sanders was gone because he played in the slot. If Sanders comes back to that slot role, where does Deshaun go? 
outside third receiver. I, I think Sutton's role is locked up as an outside guy. Flacco likes throwing to that type of target. So I, I would take him first, but none of these guys are top 70 picks for me. Okay. And over the last five seasons, we've seen Steve Smith, Torrey Smith, Kamar Aiken, Mike Wallace, and even John Brown for nine games with Joe Flacco perform like, you know, top 20, maybe top 30 in, in non-PPR for a guy like Kamar Aiken. But um, he has been able to give us some good wide receiver production. Next question. All right, you guys might have to help me out. I don't know how to pronounce the name of the writer. Vic Taffer of The Athletic. Raiders writer expects Jalen Richard to lose a good chunk of his receiving work to Josh Jacobs. What does that mean for fantasy, guys? Uh, 68 catches for uh, Jalen Richard last year. What do you think uh, this means, this report from The Athletic? To me, it's obvious. They spent the first-round pick on Josh Jacobs. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. I I never really had Jalen Richard in my equation as a, as a mid-to-late-round pick in PPR anyway. This was not one of the ones that I chose that I believe, and I could be wrong, but Jalen Richard, I mentioned how effective Austin Eckler was in the passing game last year. Only Eckler and Tariq Cohen were better than Richard in terms of a per-target basis. He was awesome last year as a pass catcher. I have a really hard time believing that a rookie is going to come in and be better than him in the passing game. It doesn't make sense. Like, if you're going to ease Jacobs in, this is the spot to spell him. Maybe they won't ease him in, you know. Maybe right. they'll, maybe they'll yeah, go Barkley. But to answer Gruden. your question, what you like, what does it mean if that's actually true, and he's going to get a good chunk of Rashard's work in the passing game? Then he might be a top twelve back. I don't think he'll get all of it. I still think Rashard can get 30, 40 catches this year, but I think Jacobs could also get thirty or forty catches. He is certainly being treated a little differently than some of the other first round NFL draft pick running backs that we've seen. He's gone later than. Barkley, Zeke, Fournette, McCaffrey, etc. But yeah, you know, like they're not people are not saying, "Oh, first round draft pick Josh Jacobs going to have a uh, you know NFL draft, going to have a huge season." This might help if if this report is true. Okay, so those were Heaths. They're in his uh, believe it or not about Emmanuel Sanders, Melvin Gordon, and Jalen Richard. Next two questions come from our editor Chris Towers. What was the most overlooked storyline of the offseason? Jamie, I'll start with you. Overlooked, uh, I think I answered the Ravens' running back situation. Um, you know, the fact that they led the NFL in rushing attempts last year, and they bring in two guys that I think are going to be their top two guys in uh, Ingram, which I think is obvious, but also Justice Hill. So adding those two pieces, I, I think you know, I mean, we clearly talk about those guys, but or Ingram obviously, but I I just think there's a chance for both of them to be very good given the value that you're getting from them. I mean, Ingram's like a round five pick, and in some cases around six, and Hill's going very late. It's an easy investment to make in that backfield. That's hilarious because we didn't reply all on our responses. (laughs) And my answer was the retooling of the Ravens offense. (laughs) Uh, Just like it's not just like the running backs are definitely part of that. But the two rookie wide receivers who I think are very talented, I think Greg Roman has a chance to have a very positive impact on Lamar Jackson. I believe five of his six years that he has called offensive plays, his offense is ranked in the top 12 in scoring. Wow. Damn. Not in, not in the way we think about it because they run the ball way too much. But, but they're scoring a lot on the ground, I would assume. Yes. That's awesome. I want those rookie receivers to come back because they'll help take the top off the defense, make it easier for the running backs. Dave, what was your overlooked storyline? 
Uh, I went with the Colts offense because I don't think enough people are talking about that and all the additions that they made. Um, Funches, Paris Campbell, Jack Doyle is coming back, and Andrew Luck is surrounded by an incredible offensive line. They made no discernible changes to their run game. I think Luck's in for a monster year. And I said Aaron Rodgers being in a new system for the first time in, in more than a decade. We're uh, Look, I'm going to certainly be guilty of it, but we're all going to more or less assume it's going to be a smooth transition. We're going to put a lot of stock in this team and in Aaron Rodgers. We probably should, but at least consider the possibility there could be some bumps in the road. Uh, it's just it's just a different situation than we've really ever seen Aaron Rodgers in. We were looking, and I don't even remember how we got started in this conversation today, but we were looking at some uh, late season schedules, and I almost decided I wasn't going to draft Aaron Rodgers this year. Well, their whole schedule's terrible. It doesn't really matter for Rodgers, but... But week 15 and 16, the Bears and Vikings back-to-back weeks? He he crushed them, though, last year, if, as I recall. I'll, I'll double-check. <laughs> well, uh, I Bears mean, in week one. At, at least once, mm-hmm. At least once he did. Bears in week one, he had 30 points. Yeah, Minnesota in week two, he had 17 points. Then uh, he did not crush them. He was really bad against them. He th- <laughs> you, yeah, he sucked against them. 13 fantasy points at Minnesota, 12 fantasy points at Chicago in weeks 12 and 15, respectively. So well, he, he, he didn't did have Matt LaFleur crush him in week one. one. But, of course, he was playing hurt after week one. So, uh, All right, uh, finally... Which storyline will end up being most overblown? Dave. I'll go with the, the hullabaloo about James Conner splitting carries in Pittsburgh. I think, I think he's in line to be their, their lead guy. It's one of the issues that they don't even have to think about as a coaching staff. They've got him there. They can use Jalen Samuels as a pass catcher some. If you want to give Benny Snell a couple carries here and there, go ahead. But they've got to figure out how to – make this offense stay strong without Antonio Brown there. They've got, they've got the replacement for Le'Veon Bell already covered. They had that last year. Now they got to focus on the passing game. Okay. Next up, let's go to Jamie. Uh, Cam Newton's shoulder injury. Um, you know, I think the Panthers have given us enough indication that he should be fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just showing Jamie my email to Chris. In response to these questions, <laughs> my exact wording, Cam Newton's shoulder injury. That's funny. <laughs> uh, well, I sent Chris. I thought you were going to show me something that Cam's like dead. <laughs> Cam will be placed on reserve right. PUP. I, uh, I responded with Nick Chubb, Kareem, with Kareem Hunt, basically, in his role. I think that might end up being overblown. And if Nick Chubb does well during Hunt's eight-game suspension, then he's going to be just fine moving forward. But I actually... And I think this will tie into some of the news we need to talk about. It could very well be that the most overblown storyline of the offseason is Todd Gurley's injury. So far, so good, I guess. Sean McVay said Gurley's ready to go. Uh, so far, so good. They haven't started training camp yet. But at least he, at least the report is good. At least the quote is good. It's you know, And it's possible that it's going to be overblown. It's, it's very possible. I've, I'm going to be... So far, I've been the most optimistic on Gurley. Um. What are you, where are you guys at with Gurley right now? I'm still pessimistic. I'm worried about they've, they've got to maintain his knee for the rest of his career, much less this season, much less training camp. You're not going to see him in the preseason. I would be surprised if you see him in a joint practice. The Rams have two. If he was in one of those, I'd be encouraged. But I, I think his touches are going to go down, and I think his, his numbers ultimately will go down. 
Okay. All right, guys. Well, thank you for answering five fun questions. We have a Facebook group where we also ask fun questions. Please join it. It's just fantasy football today. And uh, I, let's set a goal of 8,000 followers. Okay, we're at 3,600 or something like that, 3,500. Let's get up to 8,000 before the season starts. Join fantasy football today um, and interact with us. That's not nearly high enough, is it? For something that started a few weeks ago? Yeah, I think you're you're not aiming high enough. <laughs> what are you okay, you want to throw out a number? Let's go for twenty thousand. <laughs> by next year, sure. Uh, by, by by week one. On Twitter Thursday, week one. We are I'm at Adam Azer, A I Z E R. Heath is at Heath Cummings Senior, Heath Cummings S R. Jamie is at Jamie Eisenberg, J A M E Y, and Dave is at Dave Richard. And listen, training camps are here, football's back, and the Pick 6 NFL podcast will be with you all preseason, just like they've been in your podcast inbox every day throughout the entire offseason. Join host Will Brinson daily to catch up on the latest from around the league with an added fantasy and gambling twist. In fact, you're going to hear Heath on there a lot, Dave. I probably hear everybody but me on that show, Pick 6. So get ready for 2019. Subscribe to the Pick 6 podcast anywhere podcasts are found. And I hope everybody enjoyed the video show, Fantasy Football, today, this afternoon, noon Eastern, Monday through Friday on CBS Sports HQ. We also have an NFL show debuting today. Yeah. You probably listen to this after it already debuted, but uh, every day at 4.30 Eastern, we'll be uh, talking football. And thank you. Last reminder, just about the programming. I mentioned we're five days a week. This week, we're recording in the afternoon, so the episodes will be out a little bit later. But beginning next week, we're recording at 8.30 in the morning, if we're all here. Uh, and uh, we'll get the episodes out nice and early for you. So that'll be beginning next week and moving forward. Your news and notes. And then I've got a little present for all of our loyal listeners. So don't turn off the show just yet. Ezekiel Elliott is looking like he might report late at the very least. So if we're all moving Melvin Gordon out of the first round. When do we start freaking out about Zeke? Zeking out. August 6th. But that's his day to report before to, to get a season to accrue to, to free agency, right? Yep. Yep. Correct. Okay. So he's still a top four pick. Yep. Yes. Uh, what did you think of what Matt Nagy said about David Montgomery's workload? Not surprised. Saying that he'd get a lot of work in the preseason? Uh, kind of hinting toward a committee, right? Sure. I, I think we knew it would be a committee. It's just a matter of Montgomery leading the committee or having, you know, 60% of the committee, but still being a committee. What do you think about Julian Edelman out about three weeks with a thumb injury? I mean, it stinks, but it's not, you know, an important three weeks, given the fact of what his tenure is with the team. And, you know, it should allow the younger guys to get an opportunity to, you know, get some reps. Um, but you never want to have an, an injury. Okay, next news item. Julio Jones still rehabbing a foot injury. DeAndre Hopkins is on the active pup list. Are you guys concerned about the health of either Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins? No reason to right now. Nope. Okay. No, but a good sign, though, Will Fuller Yeah. not being on the pup list. Uh, Sony Michelle is also on the active pup list, but not a big deal as of now, right? More worried about him than I am those oh, receivers. Oh, by far. Mm-hmm. But not surprising. So no. little, well, I guess maybe I was a little surprised. I mean, we knew he had a procedure during the offseason, but there was a lot of optimism after that. Like, oh, he's rolling. He's going full speed. He's running. He was? Yeah. Hmm. 
All right, well, that's Sonny okay. Michelle. Hopefully be back soon. Uh, the Houston Chronicle says that Will Fuller is expected to be ready for week one. Philadelphia signed Darren Sproles to a one-year deal. Is this a big deal for anybody? Uh, not really for Sproles, but for maybe Miles Sanders. Stinks. It sucks. It stinks and it sucks, Adam. <laughs> Sproles had 7.3 touches per game in the games he actually played in the last two seasons with the Eagles, getting about five carries per game, two and a half catches per game. And this is a this is a team that just believes in shared workload at running back. It's going to be a three-headed monster until guys start to stink or get hurt. It may be one after that. They've got seven of them. And it, Doug Peterson even had a quote. I don't know if it was directly in response to this, but basically saying we won a championship without a thousand yard rusher or a thousand yard receiver. So it can be done hmm. like that's the plan. Well, let's we hope that does not happen. That would be bad for Zach Ertz. So let's talk about the Chiefs wide receivers. We get a report from pro football talk that the Chiefs could consider trading Tyreek Hill. I sort of interpreted that as after this season, right? Uh, who knows? I don't know. Okay, and then from The Athletic, Demarcus Robinson could be asked to play Chris Conley's role for Kansas City, and Conley did get a lot of snaps last year. So Mm -hmm. is there anything here that's worth talking about? The Robertson thing makes a lot of sense. Robinson. Robinson. What did did I say, Robertson? I said Robinson. Uh, (laughs) That makes sense. I think he can fit into that role nicely. And Tyreek's in a contract year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So. They, they would have to franchise him and then trade yes. him next year if they were going to trade him next year. It, I, can't, I can't imagine there's a team dying to give up picks to pay Tyreek Hill in the league right now. i got to be honest with you, that felt like a slow news day type of... Not that, just even that we're talking about the headline, it just there wasn't that much to it, in my opinion. Okay, some more news. Uh, Vic Fangio. He said that quarterback Drew Locke is not a quarterback yet. He's a hard-throwing pitcher who doesn't know how to pitch yet. His college offense had no carryover to pro offense. Okay, that's cool. And he, <laughs> he's also banning music from Denver's practice. So, <laughs> fun to be a Bronco right now. Uh, Vic Fangio basically saying, why did we draft this guy? Pretty much. No, no, look, he's obviously a bit of a project. And John Elway has a great track record drafting quarterbacks, so I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> Buffalo safety Raphael Bush retired. Denver linebacker Todd Davis out three to four weeks with a partial calf tear. And Atlanta signed Deion Jones, who is going to help them win the Super Bowl this year. Now, what's the present that I have for, for our listeners? Well, you know, I work hard on this show to come up with some good stuff, and I think I got something. We all know the Heath sigh, right? Okay? Heath, when he's thinking, he likes to sigh. At one point a few weeks ago, we caught maybe the best Heath sigh there is, and it was this. And we've just had a lot of fun with it. So (laughs) I put together a compilation of Heath sighs. Um, (laughs) We'll continue to grow the compilation as much as we can. Um, he's, you don't do it on purpose or anything, but as you sigh naturally, we'll just I'll make little mental notes. But here's what we have so far. Please, everybody, enjoy the heat sigh compilation. Ah, uh, do it, do it, do it. Uh, uh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That is fantastic. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> It took several weeks to come up with like nine drops, and the "do it, do it, do it" is is also great. So, so there we go, uh, ringtones to be had. 
We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking Dynasty on Fantasy Football today. We'll be right back. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Email address is fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. <sighs> <laughs> Graham from Columbia, South Carolina says, Dear Williams, Stewart, and McCaffrey. Panthers running backs. Yes. It's been killing me why everyone is talking about the Browns trading Duke Johnson when they should be talking about them trading Kareem Hunt. Dorsey gives Johnson a three-year extension, then signs Hunt to a one-year deal. Ex- experts have admitted Hunt likely leaves in free agency, so did Dorsey just sign him for a one-year Super Bowl run, or did he see free value and plans to turn a one-year million-dollar signing into a third- or second-round pick from an RB-needy team with Super Bowl aspirations like the Texans. Is this even a 50-50 chance, and is her, is Kareem Hunt worth a draft pick? Mm, I like that theory. It's an interesting theory. I, I don't know how many teams are going to line up to trade for a guy who was caught on camera hitting a woman and then was in some sort of altercation at a bar the one-year investment year for the Browns is much more valuable to them than a sixth or seventh-round draft pick. Well, what do they get in, like, don't they get a comp pick if he leaves via free agency? If he signs a big enough deal. Yeah. Which he might if he gets the opportunity to play some. Yeah, and, and his value to them, if they're going to make a playoff run, could be significant because Nick Chubb has yet to be a 16-game starter. And they could use them in tandem for all we know. So they would need almost exactly what Graham is talking about in trade, a third-round pick or a second-round yeah, pick. No way. Is I don't think so. No I think way. a team would have to be unbelievably desperate for a running back in order for But that even if they're happen. desperate, they're not getting him to Week 10. Yes. Yeah, right. So I, I, I think that um, the, I like the thought, just third or second-round pick is just not happening for a guy going into his walk year with his baggage. Uh, Matt from Toronto. No, the trade deadline it may be different. Yeah, but I don't know. Fourth or fifth round seems more realistic. Oh, it, it, there's no chance it'd be above a fifth round pick. All right, so let's talk dynasty wide receivers here as I use this email from Matt from Toronto. because uh, He says, on a recent pod, you had a brief discussion about whether Juju Smith-Schuster could be the top wide receiver in dynasty. And we talked about Juju being very young. So I want to fully buy into this, but I have a nagging concern over how Big Ben's 
eventual dot 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 retirement might impact Juju's performance over the next few years. Does the fact that the Steelers quarterback could be a huge question mark after this year cause you to lean towards theoretically more stable quarterback situations like Hopkins, OBJ, or Evans when picking among top dynasty wide receivers? And guys, I think we should extend Matt's question to Michael Thomas as well. Um, and just, you know, it's it's really something to consider. I don't think I'd consider it with Devontae Adams, but um, it's a good it's a good question. So as Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger are creeping toward retirement, sh- how should that factor in when you are drafting dynasty wide receivers? It's also you know for people still doing their rookie only drafts, Nikhil Harry as the first receiver off the board because yep. you know Brady doesn't have. Uh, I mean, he's gonna play ten more years, but you know after that, who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, you have to factor that in. You know, that's a you know big part of it. Can assuming it's Teddy Bridgewater sustain the same success for Michael Thomas can, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, I would, I would think probably two or three more years at least, you know, continue to play at a high level. Um, you know, you probably should put Phillip Rivers in that category too, you know, for Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. But it doesn't seem like this is ever reflected when we talk about dynasty wide receivers, or maybe I'm just missing it, but are, are we overlooking this? Well, I mean, you say it all the time, Heath, you know, it, it's, and I feel the same way. It, it's a two to three year window is what you should sort of, you know, project it out. You know, if you get, I'll say three years from a receiver standpoint, you get three great years of a wide receiver, you should be thrilled about that. And with the very best receivers, like, you don't worry as much. Like, it, DeAndre Hopkins has been awesome with some terrible quarterbacks. He wasn't with Osweiler, but all the other bad quarterbacks he was good with. Do you have the ages? Because I know you did it. Um, I do. Because I'm curious, like, what young quarterback and young receiver pairing is there that, like, you could say, if Tyreek Hill didn't have his situation. Well, and that's the weird thing about receiver. Of the top 11 receivers in my dynasty rankings, Juju is the only one under 25. Right. That's, you know, so, like, where Watson's entering his prime, by the time he's, like, and he's great now, clearly, but Hopkins will start to lose it. Right. You know, and so it, it's it's like where Adams and, and, and Rodgers, they don't really intersect. Thomas I mean, and Breeze don't intersect. Beckham's four years older than Juju Smith-Schuster. Well, what's a reasonable... I think... I expect a great wide receiver to be great until he's 32, 33? I would say 31, 32, yeah. Okay. So how when old... When I say great, I mean like, you know, when they're at their peak. How old are these guys? They're like 26-ish? Hopkins is 27, Juju's 22. Those are my top two. And then the next four... Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, Devontae Adams, and Mike Evans are all 26. Mm. Like, if Jameis gets his act together, that's a great pairing. Yeah. I I think I have enough confidence in Juju to, you know, to be great without Roethlisberger. I don't know. So, I'm Just not depends. sure. It depends. If it's, some, I, I still you know, if it's think Mason I, Rudolph. I take Hopkins ahead of him, though. So, so Juju's your, oh, Hopkins is your number one, Heath? Yes, Hopkins, then Juju. Jamie Dave, like like Hopkins at twenty seven is 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 great, but you know you just have to hope that he stays this for another three four years. Yeah, it's hard not to expect that though. Like Julio and Ryan are not the greatest example because they're both right. in their thirties. I was just crouching. Devonte Adams twenty six, and Rogers is thirty five. You know, so I was just doing numbers on Devonte Adams this morning, just yeah, to kind of put down on paper what everybody already knows. But he's been a top five overall non-quarterback, top five like running back slash wide receiver tight end three of the last four years. And it's usually, I think it's like number five, actually. DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. Okay. Uh, obviously, he had that one down year with Osweiler, but but like before that, 
his quarterbacks were terrible before Watson, you know, Savage and all and whatnot. Okay. What, what could be great is if you get Paris Campbell just blowing up. If you get Miko Hardman blowing up, you know, these young guys, if Lamar Jackson becomes right. a great I was passer. About to say, Marquise Brown. Right. You know, with either guy, you know, Boykin or, or Brown, you know, any of these young receivers coming in now with the younger quarterbacks, that would be fantastic. You know, any of the two young Bills guys, you know, whether it's Foster or, or Zay Jones, you know, I mean, it, well, it's. There's a couple of 25 year olds that probably should be in that discussion, but one of them's not for a different reason. But Cooks is only 25, mm-hmm. and he's got a young quarterback. Tyree Kill's still just 25. Well, he, I mean, if he'll, if they work out a long term deal and he stays on a straight and narrow, it could be just ridiculous for Dynasty. Oh, he could be number one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah like, like our Dynasty League that we're in together, I, I have what could be just a tremendous situation if it continues. One is Michael Thomas, and the other is Tyree Kill. I have both those guys. You know, so like I, I conceivably and I have Gallaudet, you know, so like my my core of my my receivers should be fantastic. But two of those guys have ifs, you know, in terms of their quarterbacks. OK, guys, so I want to talk just a little about Dynasty now and then I, I definitely need to get to how to draft in different formats and strategies are starting to really become a little bit clearer to me in non PPR versus PPR. But in terms of Dynasty, since the NFL draft, it's been several, but it's, it's been two months or so. Um, what do you think has changed? Who has moved up the most? Who has moved down the most? Because I'm doing a dynasty draft right now, and the one guy that I, I feel like is moving down a lot is so limited. It's basically just like people I talk to at my drafts, whatever. But Marquise Brown, the first wide receiver drafted in the NFL draft, Ravens rookie. I just took him with the fifth pick of the second round, so that's 17th overall. That's, that's stupid great value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, this, and look, I know that's not going to happen in an analyst draft, but sometimes we have to remember <laughs> there are a lot of drafts that are going to have like curious picks out there. But anyway, I still, I still feel like there's, a lot of, there's some downward momentum with him, but what do you guys think? Like, Who do you feel like is, is moving the most up or down of, among the rookies? Since the draft? I mean, Hardman. Just just down. With, with the Tyree kill. Yep. As, as, everything, as everything got more optimistic. Uh, Campbell is another one. Sanders for sure. Hakeem um, Butler has uh, dropped like yeah. a rock. Uh, I think you know you've seen Daryl Henderson. You know he went from an early second round pick to a top five pick in one of my drafts. I I guess I see that. Yeah, it was. Do, do you know if that guy had had uh, Todd Gurley? Uh, no, I had Todd Gurley. <laughs> <laughs> so I I actually went. I was the eighth pick. I went in thinking, okay, I'm going to take Henderson at eight. Yeah. I was actually trying to make some trades to get. Uh, any pick from seven through twelve to give myself two picks in the first round, I wasn't able to do so. Um, and then when he took um, is an analyst dynasty league, so I went and I looked. I'm like, oh, he 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 was at the time the lowest on Todd Gurley. I don't know where he is now, but um, in any event, he, the, the, there was no like, let me see if I could trade him Gurley for for a couple picks or a couple players, uh, or can I try and get Henderson from him? I ended up getting Sanders at eight, and that was the first sign to me like, okay, Sanders is going to fall a little bit. And I, and. Two other wide receivers I want to mention. Do you feel like DK Metcalf stock is up since the draft? Or I've not moved him. I've just right. left him in the same place, but I had him third overall. So. I, I'm not in enough rookie-only drafts to know where his ADP is, but he's in that top 15 range. I imagine he's still there. I had a, a actual a trade offer in that league, and this was done maybe a month ago, six weeks ago, a trade offer for the eighth pick, somebody trying to get DK Metcalf at that spot. Mm. Yeah, that's where he went in the draft that I'm doing right now. 
yeah, eighth. No, he went ninth. Sorry, Daryl Henderson. Went and, and there, you know, I I think it was a report this weekend that um, they're expecting their top three receivers to be Lockett, Brown, and Moore, Jerron Brown and David Moore. And then the other guy that I feel like just in seasonal in redraft leagues, we're not talking about him at all, and I get it. But AJ Brown of Ole Miss wide receiver AJ Brown now with the Titans, fourth wide receiver off the board, fifty first overall pick. Yeah, he's he's like kind of a mystery, I guess. Don't really know. I love what I love the you know what I saw after. Okay, like I obviously I don't follow college football super close other than my team, but. He looks really good. Like I'm excited about AJ Brown. I lo- I don't love the landing spot, but yeah, I I don't know. I I I feel like he's kind of a mystery, along with along with probably Andy Isabella. Those two guys seem like mysteries to me. Both second round NFL draft picks. Isab- I, I love Isabella. Yeah, I was going to say Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson are two guys who are going up dynasty boards. Isabella is just a really good fit for that offense, and Johnson's route running could push him into some playing time sooner than later in Arizona. Kyler Murray went fourth in my draft. I took David Montgomery fifth. So I had the fifth pick. Nice. I ended up with Montgomery and Marquise Brown. It's a great start. Do yeah. you have a third-round pick yet or no? No, not yet. not yet. It's a very slow draft. No, Kyler is someone who's also gone up yeah. quite a like, People are getting – It's there's two camps, and people are getting really excited about the Arizona offense and what it could be. I think it depends on your format too. Like ours is a one quarter. The, the dynasty league that we're in together is a one quarterback league, and I think he went ninth or tenth, if I'm not mistaken. I know Nick Costas took him, mm-hmm. and then in the other one that I'm in, it's a super flex league. He was the first overall pick. Yeah, he was the first overall pick in my super flex league yeah. too. So if we could sum up what you guys just said, give me some of the names that you think have moved up, and some that have moved down. Henderson has moved up. Isabella has moved up. Um, I got some that are like Henderson. lesser, right? Like those are the guys that are Hill. Hill's moved up. Justice Hill was one of the names. Like those are good first, second round guys. Keyshawn Johnson, Benny Snell, uh, Arcega Whiteside, Terry McLaurin, Josh Oliver, Dawson so Knox. Arcega Whiteside is up. I think so. I haven't seen that. I, I think you'll see him in round three. That's where he was. He was actually going in round two. Oh, all right. So never mind. Well, no, because I, I was going. Maybe he's to going think, down. Then. I was going to possibly take him if Marquise Brown hadn't been on the board, but that was with the with the seventeenth pick in this rookie draft. But I, I feel like he's not going to have a big role this year. We seem to have sort of established that, but that's not necessarily a reason to shy away in a dynasty league. But well, here, Adam, where do you I feel? You, How do you I feel? I can tell about you the ADP for rookies. Okay. Right now, you keep talking. I'll look it up. Oh yeah, no, I just want to know how you guys feel about JJ Arcega Whiteside, who was drafted after Miko Hardman, but before Paris Campbell. These guys went fifty sixth, fifty seventh, and fifty ninth overall. Hardman, Arcega Whiteside, and Paris Campbell. He's my number thirty overall player. Yeah, his his ADP is as the thirteenth rookie off the board. Um, so right now, the ADP. This is fancy football calculator for rookie only drafts. Uh, does not say format. I don't know if you can do that. For this, but in any event, it's uh, Jacobs, Montgomery, Sanders still three, Kyler four, Harry five, Henderson six, and then it's three receivers in a row: Metcalf, Brown, uh, Metcalf, AJ Brown, and then Marquise Brown. Um, Paris Campbell's the next receiver after that at eleven. I think the tight ends are slipping a little bit too. You know, um, I think a lot of people were excited about Hawkinson and Fant. They should be, 
but they're falling. I'll tell you one guy who's probably going to start to rise depending on when you do a draft is Devin Singletary. You know, with the reports about them possibly trading LeSean McCoy, um, you know, Singletary in redraft leagues too. You know, that's the guy that oh, could be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I like that. Adam's very excited yeah. about Devin Singletary. By the way, uh, I, I have seen that JJ pronounces his last name Arthega Whiteside. I don't know if you guys have seen any yep. of this, but I think it might be Arthega Whiteside. Trying to I had, not, I had not seen that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On Eagles Reddit, it says he's from Spain. And I'm going to try to look up the Stanford Cardinal pronunciation guide. Stanford Cardinal, because of the color red, Cardinal red. Like, I think they're just. I love Stanford, but I don't like that their team name is the Cardinal, and I hate their mascot. I hate their mascot. Okay, uh, how to draft it. <laughs> wow, where did that come from? I, it's Yeah, it bothers me. That, you know their mascot. He's a stupid guy in a tree outfit. You can see his legs, and he just dances around all the time. I'm entertained by him. Is, there, I, I, is there a school bus? Make like a tree and leave? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, how to draft in different formats. So how about uh, here, are the, here are the numbers. That I'm sure will not surprise anyone, but I just looked at the last two seasons uh, and the top 60 non-quarterbacks, so uh, wide receiver, running backs, and tight ends. Top 60 in non-PPR, half PPR, and full PPR. In non-PPR, running backs outnumbered wide receivers by three in 2018, and they were tied in 2017. So most of the top, you know, five in any format is going to be running backs. And then in non-PPR, you know, uh, all the top six, nine of the top 12 were running backs. So kind of top-heavy. But if you just look at the top 60, and I chose 60 because that's two running backs, two wide receivers, and a flex times a 12-team league, that's 60 spots. Uh, Anyway, fairly even but slightly favors the running backs in non-PPR. Half PPR, there were seven more wide receivers than running backs in the top 60 in 2017 and five more in 2018. And then in PPR, if you're thinking, should my flex be a, a tie, uh, should my flex be a running back or a wide receiver? I would say probably should be a wide receiver. You're probably going to be, you know, have more success there because over the last two years there were nine more wide receivers than running backs in the top 60, both in 2017 and 2018. So I don't know. Uh, just maybe a general thought, guys, when you look at the three different formats, non-half and full PPR, what changes? Well, I think the talent pool is obviously deeper at running back in full PPR. There's more running backs that you'd feel comfortable starting because of their pass-catching prowess, but there's also a lot more wide receivers because of the receptions that uh, that make them more appealing. And, of course, their value is going to go up. Very few running backs catch more than 60 passes. A ton of receivers catch more than 60 passes. So, to me, this is common sense, nothing more. Thanks for crapping on my segment, Dave. No, but you're right. I, I you're, think it, you're right. You're right. <laughs> we're just underscoring that receivers have more value in leagues where catches count. And sorry, Adam, that no, it's common sense. It's it's absolutely true. I think you should think a guy like Sony Michelle. What kind of value does he have in PPR? It's yeah, yeah. What round would you take Sony Michelle in a PPR league? He had eight catches last year, I think. Late six. Yeah, six at the earliest. Right. He he would have to have just a great, great season, 12, 12 or more tu- possible, but 12 or more touchdowns probably to uh, really make a huge impact there. And I'll underscore again the trends. More and more 
50 catch receivers. Five straight years it's gone up, and probably even more than that. So four straight years it's gone up at least. So um, it's just more and more important. If you're going to get a running back, he's got to catch something. Uh, but I would say this. Unless it's Marlon Mack because you love him. In a, uh, in, a, in a PPR league, if you have a, an early pick, uh, especially one or two, in a 12-team league, I think the obvious strategy is to go running back in rounds one, four, and five, and probably take two receivers in rounds two and three, but you could obviously consider the tight ends there as well. I am very excited about that strategy. Yeah, it's just going to depend. Um because I do think there's a little bit of a drop off there. I, I would like to do that. Drop off this. where? You hate this conversation. Oh, so much. I'm just <laughs> trying to act like um, <laughs> I have something to add. He I don't. Does, really. He does why, not. Do well, why do you want to pigeonhole yourself? I like. No, I'm thing. not going to pigeonhole myself. If, but that's the way Evans it's been working gone, out. Like if Mike Evans, Keenan Allen are gone, when I get to the end of the second round, I don't really feel very good at all when I take AJ Green or Ty Hilton or Stephon Diggs. In the second round, yeah, but but if you don't, it's like no. If you don't, don't take a do wide that. receiver with any of your first three picks, by the time you get, I might. But if you don't, I'm just saying, if you don't, and you get to the 48th and 49th overall pick at the end of round four and the beginning of round five, who are you looking at? Calvin Ridley and Cooper Cup as your you know top what I'm two. Looking at a really awesome running back pair and a very good tight end. Well, here I'm gonna give you an example because Adam Adam did I think almost what you're saying that you hate, Keith. He took at the end of at the two three swing. He took Alvin Kamara with the first overall pick. This is a, a draft we did with um, analysts from other sites, and he took T. Y. Hilton and Stephon Diggs with his second and third uh, round. Three, pick. by the way, three receiver league with three a receiver flex. League. Yep. So, so yeah, and then he, who are my running backs in rounds four and five? Philip Lindsay and Philip Lindsay and James James White. White. I was very happy with that. Kamara, Lindsay White, Diggs, and. Who was it? Who's my second Camaro. pick? Loved it so much he forgot. Yeah. Lindsey White and T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton. I was very happy with it. And then I think my third receiver was Dante Pettis, maybe? Uh, no, I took Pettis. You were mad at me for doing oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'll give you... I, I guess I'd probably be the other side of that. I took Mike Evans at the end of round two and Leonard Fournette with the first pick in round three. So two running backs and a receiver. And then a tight end in round four or five. Mm, very different. Very different. So, but I do have Cooper Cup as my second receiver. Right, which could be great. Uh, but I just, I like the running I could backs. have if I wanted to take a third receiver. I probably would have taken either Calvin Ridley or Tyler Boyd instead Wh- of Ingram. When we're looking at the 50th or so pick or, you know, late 40s into the 50s, I like the running backs. They're better than the wide receivers, I think. And when that's kind of what I'm basing this on. So if you wait three rounds with, if you have an early pick and you wait four rounds to take your first wide receiver, I think you might be disappointed. Like there are, I'm I'm looking at the guy and I don't know how many of these will be available in your draft, but I feel confident um, because I have James White and Philip Lindsay back to back in my PPR rankings at 51 and 52 overall. Mm -hmm. There are four wide receivers that I have, right in front of them. Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Tyler Boyd, Calvin Ridley, Chris Godwin. Those guys won't all be there, but two of them will be. Right, but 
so will Philip Lindsay and James White and Mark Ingram. Right, but what I'm saying is I would rather have Kamara and let's say Ertz wait, and wait. Chubb. You're well, he didn't have the, that option. He could have had Ertz. He could have had Ertz. Yeah, and then Fournette. Yes, or Damian Williams or Aaron Jones. No right. Person. Yeah, now Damian and, Williams was tempting. I will say that. And then take those two wide receivers at the four or five. I think. Okay, I prefer the better wide receivers and the later running backs. It's just interesting, though, that you took Hilton because he's not the huge reception. He's guy. not, but but he's he's Hilton, you know? Like, who, who else could I have taken? Receiver? Because I took Diggs. Well, so this is another strategy of mine that I, I'm not sure I'm right about. But again, you add a position. This is this went from a two receiver flex league to a three receiver flex league. As soon as I add a position and I add more scoring, the tight ends become a little less valuable to me. Uh, you know, I've talked about that, but that was that's for sure in like those big leagues with like three flexes and whatever. This one, I don't know. I was definitely thinking about Zach Ertz there. I will I will certainly grant you that. And did you get Lewis. to be your tight end? Someone terrible. Oh, Jordan. Oh, Jordan Reed. Reed. You were so excited about that. <laughs> it was really late. Uh, I was. I think I was the last person to take a tight end. Um, yeah. I, it just. I was surprised at the two receivers you you took. Not that. Well, I didn't expect you to take Fournette. I thought you would have taken one of the tight ends. Oh well. Like, what, I, did, what did I, Dave do? I per- I'm sorry. Well, let's let's hear what Dave did in this draft. Well, let's no. Let's let's actually let's talk about the different formats. I want to get back to the topic. No, I, I didn't. I didn't want to get into this draft because I know you wanted to save it for another day. But yeah, I just yeah. thought it was given what you just said that you know you you stuck to that theory almost to a T. Well, Mike Taglieri, I was talking, but he's on the uh, Fantasy Pros podcast, and he's going to come on at some point because he said I stole like a bunch of his guys from him. So I was very happy to hear that. Very well respected guy. All right, so. What about a non-PPR? Any strategies that you like or don't like in non-PPR? Can we go, should we go, running back, running back in non-PPR? The best players available when you pick are running backs. I think it's not a bad <laughs> way to go. Uh, what it, do you think? I, I think the, the player pool that you're dealing with from, I don't know, 20 on? Maybe that's too far. 17 on, 16 on? Like Again, just looking at this draft. Dalvin Cook may fall. Gurley will be there, most likely. Chubb. Fournette. Fournette. And Damian Williams. You know, he may push himself into the second round based on ADP. If you have a late first-round pick, though, let's say you have the 10th pick, and it's a 12-team league, and all of a sudden you're not picking again until the 34th overall pick, none of the guys you mentioned are going to be there, most likely in a in a non-PPR league. So if you're picking at the end of the first round, we, we've kind of talked about this a little bit with some of the other drafts. Like, the running back pool you're dealing with in, in the third, fourth round is pretty pretty good. Like, J- here's what Jake Seeley did. And he took James Conner and Melvin Gordon. Did he go three running backs? In he did. But you're you're referencing the full PPR three receiver league, right? But, yeah. And I know... So that's like, different, though. In non-PPR, like, if I have Wait, a chance I'm sorry. to start off with... Juju and Tyreek in that spot or Michael Thomas and Juju or Michael Thomas and Tyreek or Julio. I'm, I'm probably going wide receiver, wide receiver because in non PPR, a lot of people are pushing the running backs up higher. I don't know, man. I mean, in non PPR, like those, those running backs are just, 
a, a great running back in non-PPR is so extremely valuable. This is the points they score. Six of the top nine overall, or all of the top six and nine of the top 12 overall players, and 12 of the top 15 players were running backs in 2017. In 2018, all of the top five, seven of the top eight were running backs. Um, there were five wide receivers, though, in the top 12 compared to just three in 2017 and 2018. The, the problem is it feels like we have a really good grip on who five or maybe six of those running backs are going to be. And I wouldn't even be that I'd surprised if it was yeah, <laughs> if it was seven of the top eight again. No. But I feel more confident that those top seven wide receivers are going to be amongst the top 15 players or 16 players than I do which of those running backs There's are so going much in the top 12. data to back that up. You know, just what Julio has done, what Hopkins has done, what the Packers' number one guy has done, you know, for Adams, what Tyreek Hill has done, what Thomas has done for the last couple of years, what Juju slash Antonio Brown has done as the Steelers' number one guy. You know, I mean, it's just like, yeah, it, it's it's just so safe. Yeah. And if you're talking about a group of like Chubb, Dalvin, Melvin, Fournette, Gurley, Mixon, yeah. I'm sure half those guys are going to be considerably better than those six receivers, but I'm not real confident in which there's, three are. There's but, so many more flaws for those guys. But but also there's well, Dave, you get in on this because I'm not. Dis- I agree with everything you're saying. I don't know that I'm going running back, running back, but it is definitely the highest upside move you can make in that in a non PPR league. Yes, but I I think what you're going to see most fantasy managers do this year is go. Either running back receiver or receiver running back with the occasional running back tight end mixed in with the first two picks. Because then they're not they're not wedged into being in the mindset of I gotta take a wide receiver in round three. I have to do it. They can go in any direction they want in round three and in round four. I I, I would imagine that in your draft you will see a minimum of seven drafters go running back something else in the first two rounds. And that's, I, I would say that that's also playing it safe. And this is mainly in non-PPR. In PPR, we could definitely make the argument that picking late in round one is a great time to go and get two receivers with back-to-back picks. But again, that's because the talent pools are deeper everywhere in PPR. So if, if you were to take two running backs with your first two picks, is that what you're saying, Adam? You, yeah, I'm, I'm saying in non-PPR. I'm so, saying, yeah, you could do that. In non only, and I would never do that in anything other than non PPR. So we're talking what thirty six, thirty seven then the next picks. Uh, thirty, thirty four. If you have the tenth pick, then it's thirty four. Yeah. If you have the twelfth pick, yeah, then thirty six, thirty seven are your next picks. So if you were to go running back, running back based on ADP, I don't think this is realistic. But thirty six, thirty seven is Amari Cooper, George Kittle. I don't think we're going to see no. that. No. What, what about right after that? But I. It's still, I think, unrealistic. It's Stephon Diggs is forty-one. Edelman's forty-four. You might get yeah, Edelman. Edelman will be there. Yeah, Edelman, Brandon Cooks. Let's just say those are the two guys. No, I wouldn't like that very much. So if you went, let's say Connor, Gordon, mm-hmm. Connor, Gordon, Edelman, Cooks, you wouldn't like that. I don't. I don't think. I don't think I would take Edelman. I don't think I take Edelman. Connor Mixon, Edelman, Cooks. You wouldn't like that. Give I'd me. That I, I would take Diggs over Edelman. But my running but again, back choices there. That he's there. Are, my running Why? back choices. Do I, can I get Marlon Mack or Aaron Jones? Uh, I Mack. Not would... get Marlon Mack based on the non PPR ADP. I'm looking at Marlon, Mack, which is why these receivers are falling. Marlon Mack's ADP and non PPR, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, is 25th overall. Thanks. Ooh. Yeah. So I, 
I think back end of round three is going to look a lot different depending on format. And I think we've pretty much, Jamie, if you have a late pick in a PPR league, you talked about it because Heath did this, I think, in one of our drafts of going receiver, receiver, running back, running back, right? As a in PPR. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we illustrated it with the, the draft we did the other day. It was non PPR, but that was, uh, you know, somebody took, I think it was Chris Hassel, one of our hosts on CBS Sports HQ. He took Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, carry on Johnson, and I forget the other running back, but it was just fantastic. Can't do that in non PPR because carry on won't be there. In at the end, he of might not period. be there in PPR by the time that's mid August rolls around. But right, okay, all right. If, so, uh, I mean, I, I, you want PPR? What it looks like just based on ADP? Yeah, sure. Okay, so if you were to start your team with right now, Beckham's at twelve, Juju's at fourteen, so that would be your two picks, and then you come back thirty six, thirty seven. You have your choice of Derrick Henry. Josh Jacobs, on Johnson, David Montgomery, oh, yeah. Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram. It's over. Kenyon Drake. You just won the league. You won the league. Devontae Freeman right before that at 34. Juju, Beckham, Jacobs, on. I mean, if you're concerned over. about Jacobs, because he's a rookie, and Montgomery, throw them out. So let's just say you end up with those two receivers, on and Lindsay. Or in for me and Heath, it would be Kenyon Drake. Or you can go Patrick Mahomes. Um, Mahomes' ADP is not falling that far. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, in our leagues, he will. Um, yeah, PPR. All right, well, yeah, that, there's so much more to this conversation. Sorry, Heath, I'll let you get the last word. But there's no. so much more to this conversation. I mean, I didn't talk about quarterbacks and their value. I didn't talk about half PPR at all. So maybe we'll pick up on it. We'll, uh, we'll extend the conversation tomorrow. Heath, would you like to close it out? No. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Heath, I'm very excited to talk more strategy with you tomorrow. And thank you all for listening. Should be, should be uh, uh, fun, but I got to go back. All right. That's Jamie. Um, and, yeah, th- I appreciate all the listeners. Tell your friends. Leave us a good review. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Uh, na, 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 na,